your son's name and everybody say it together. Amen. Matthew 6, 33. We should probably know the scripture by heart. Go ahead and get there. Matthew 6, 33. When you get there, say, I got it. Hey, you got it. Amen. <laughs> hey, it's okay to have a good time in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. If, if this thing wasn't any fun, I, I wouldn't want to do it. Amen. But he allows us to do that. Everybody ready? Y'all kind of read it with me as we go. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's say it again. Seek ye first, not second, third, fourth, not when everything else is done. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't have any righteousness in me, so I have to seek after somebody who's got what I need. He's got the righteousness and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Have a seat in the house of the Lord this morning. Guys, we've, got all, we've all got things that take priority in our life. It changes our schedule, captures our passion, and causes us to sacrifice for the Lord. We defend it. We fight for it. We claim it. So what comes first in your life this morning? I'm going to tell you something. I have not always lived a life for the Lord but guess what? I am a new creation in Christ. There is therefore now, I talked about it Wednesday night, therefore now no condemnation. Guess what? If you were a sinner five minutes ago, you have no, no commitment to that sin anymore. If you're in Christ Jesus, we are all on the same level. Hallelujah. I don't care if you're an old drug addict, boozer, a harlot, whatever. You are the same as the person who's been saved 50 years. Now, listen, we've got to learn. This sister right here, you told me you guys said 84 and 85. Is that right? And I said, congratulations. Hallelujah. They've been living for the Lord a long time. I've got a long time before I can catch up spiritually to them. I, I confess that I profess it. I'm still, I'm 53 years old, guys. I'm still a baby in Christ. Amen. But we can't stay on the milk ever, forever. We've got to get on the word. We've got to get on the meat. We've got to ingest something. And yeah, sometimes that first ingestion of something more substantive in, in, your, in your system is going gonna to bother it a little bit. You've got to get used to it. But thank God he said that he's going to be right there with you through it all. If he's got to burp you like a baby spiritually, he's going to do that because he wants to see us grow. He wants to see us put him first because that's the only way that we're ever going to get to the place to where Jesus Christ is wanting us to be is put him first and us second. Actually, put him first a lot of other people, the church second, our family third, our job fourth, us last. If it takes that, but he wants us to put him first regardless. Hallelujah. His work should cause us to want to sacrifice. We should defend him and proclaim him. Every time I go into Walmart, I go in with a purpose. I stay outside the door before I go in, Pastor. I say, God, give me an opportunity today to meet somebody. And you know what he does? He does. The first time I said that, I said, God, I want an opportunity. Boy, he gave me one of those most hateful, oh, arrogant person I ever met in my life. But you know what I had to do? I had to submit to his will. I had to tell him, hey, Jesus loves you. Is there anything I can do for you? And this old grumpy old guy in one of those roundabout things, he, he, he looked at me and he said, get me one of them drinks up there. I said, absolutely, brother. Let me get you one. I put it in his car. He said, get me another one. I got him another one. Sometimes you got to fight through what you want to do. 
He was a World War II veteran. And man, I know he was rough. He'd been through some stuff. Anybody else been through some stuff in the house? Hallelujah. Thank God Jesus Christ brought us through that stuff. So we have got to, we've got to give the same grace to somebody else because you never know what somebody's going through. And we're all going through the same stuff. You can say, man, I've never sinned. I've never done anything in my life. You're a liar. And the altar's open. Amen. I have sinned. I was a good one. Paul said he was the chief of sinners. He was the very best at it. I rivaled him, guys. I worked hard for the devil. I did everything I could to blow my future in my past. But guess what? He said, I have a plan for you. He said, that, cha- that plan is not going to change. I don't care what you've done. He said, this is Jesus. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how you've acted. I am here for you. I love you, and I want you to be a part of my family. Hallelujah. It's hard to believe that sometimes because you got like Hitler, Mussolini. Uh, uh, I won't say her name, but her first name's Nancy. Amen. And, and she's still alive. Amen. And those same people that are evil in our eyes, you know what God wants? He wants them to be a part of the family of God. He wants them to turn their life around. And, 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 you know, somebody said, oh, you can't turn it all the way around because that's 360. Why not? By the time you get all the way around, God might have changed that thing for you. And all of a sudden, you're walking a new road. He wants the most evil person in this world you can think of to be a, a part of the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm trying my best not to get on rabbit trails this morning. But, Pastor, what are we going to do when that person comes down, the woman comes down to the altar and she gets up and he says, hey, what are you going to do with this? I, I, I used to be a man. What have I got to do? What are we going to do with that church? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love on them. I'm going to let them know that Jesus still loves them no matter what they've done, where they've been. What about when that, when that drunk comes to the door and he's wobbling down? I talked about Mike Phillips the other day. He's wobbling down that path and he stinks, he smells, he doesn't look like us, doesn't act like us. Maybe a word slips out every now and then that we don't think should slip out. What are we going to do? We got to reach out and grab a man and pull him into the kingdom and not try and clean him up ourselves. Our job is to go fishing. Our job is to cast the reel. Our job is to get get the, the bite on the hook and reel him in. Our job is not to clean him up. Our job is to let the Holy Ghost do it. He's got the right tools. He's got the right equipment to do that. I don't have that equipment. I'll just mess it up. Amen? How about you? (laughs) Amen. He's on the low priority scale with a lot of people. Sadly, most Christians today have God in a small, tiny place in their life. They feel as though, listen to this, they feel as though they do God a favor by going to church for an hour a week or two hours a week. Let me tell you something. What has he done for you? He gave me life. He brought me back from a stroke that should have took my life. He brought this woman of God back from cancer. He set us on a firm foundation. He let us find, or he didn't let us find each other. He found us on each other's behalf, and he put us together. I made her wait a long time, three whole weeks, Pastor. Hallelujah. But we, after that three weeks, we bought a motor home. We've been on the road for Jesus Christ ever since, and they're going to have to carry me out of this pulpit in a casket to get me to stop. Hallelujah. Because I want to put him first. I want him to be first. I don't want him to be second. He said he's not going to take any other place. He said he's not going to have any gods, any idols before him. He has got to be number one or he is going to be nothing. Hallelujah. Even those that are faithful to the church rarely pay their tithes. 
10% of their income or read their Bibles daily. And I'm not here to beat you up, but I'm just here. If, hey, if this flies over your head and it, and, and, it, and it hits you, don't push it on up. Grab it and say, hey, that applies to me. I need to do better. Jeff needs to do better. I've got to do better. Well, brother, you're up there with the microphone. Let me tell you something. Sometimes the biggest trials and the biggest temptations are standing behind a pulpit. They're singing a song. They're playing an instrument. You never know what the people around you are going through. We need your help. And I'm just going to say this. There were several this morning, men, and I was looking around, and I was starting to get frustrated. And I said, well, Lord, you got, you, you, you got to do something. He said, no. He said, they got to do something. They got to start praising me. They got to start giving me honor. You, you're tired of the way you're living. You're tired of what's happening in your life. You're tired of your kids and your grandkids going crazy. Begin to praise him when you don't feel it. When you don't feel it. I remember a, a story, and I'm going out of place here, but I remember a story in the Bible of some, some children of Israel. Some people say there was 3 million of them. Some say there were 5 million. Let me tell you, there was about 15 million of them because they didn't count the women and children back in that day. Because of the men, men, I'm talking to us this morning. I'm including me right in the center. I'll be first. How about that? Men, we've got to do a better job. We've got to lead our families. Ladies want to be led, and I'm not being sexist in saying that. They want a godly man who will lead and guide them and give their children the hope and everything that God has for them. That's why they were marching around in that wilderness for 40 years. Thank God he gave them sandals that did not wear out. He gave them strength. He fed a man, a man I meant, what is it? I have a personal opinion. If I wanted a T-bone steak that day, God gave me manna that tasted like a T-bone steak. That's just my opinion, amen? Probably not biblical at all, but it's okay. We've got to lead them and guide them. Ladies, we've got to set that example before them. My mom had a little notepad. And my dad didn't live for the Lord his whole life. But my mom would pay those tithes when the money was there. When it wasn't, well, well, well Joyce, we got, we got to pay this bill this week. If God don't pay it, it ain't going to get paid. But I'm paying the tithe and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to believe him. Amen. And we got people all over this nation, preachers of the gospel. God should have better sense. Saying tithing is not a New Testament concept. Sure it is. April and I, tomorrow or whenever it is, we will deposit a check, whatever this church blesses us with, and the very first thing that's going to happen is we're going to pay the tithe to three different places around this nation. We're going to spread it out and let the gospel be forwarded. Hallelujah. That's why we do this. It's not for this church. It's not for the next church. It's for the kingdom of God. We've got to fight for this thing, church. We've got to put him first. We've got to allow him to be number one in our life. Hallelujah. Work, recreation, and rest often come before God, but it shouldn't be that way. Whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not habitually keep focused on his precepts and obey his commands and teachings is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's 1 John 2 and 4. That's the word of God. If we say, I have come to know him, but we don't keep our minds focused on him and our feet right in his feet, hallelujah, in his footprints. Guys, the word of God says we're a liar. We don't have any part in him. I want to follow him close. My grandpa was, was, was a, a, had a little farm. Now, Pastor, I see that that farm was nothing more than a big garden. 
because I've been out in Iowa. I've been out in, the, in Oklahoma. I've been out in Illinois, and I've seen all the corn and things and the millions and millions of acres of land. But my grandpa was faithful for that. He yielded a crop every year. He fed us. Look at me, buddy. That's where it all started in grandpa's farm. But he would, he would get behind this old uh, plow, and he, he, that thing would shake him all over the place. They called it a tiller back then. I don't know what they call it right now, but it would shake him. And he had these big old Popeye forearms, and I would watch him. And as a five-year-old little boy, he would walk, and I'd see his footprints. That thing was shaking him, but his footprints were straight. And I would take my little feet, <laughs> and I'd put them around in Papa's footprints. Hallelujah. Galatians talks about that. It says, be ye therefore imitators of God. Imitate the good stuff that you see in God. That way, whenever the kids and stuff are looking on at us, they see a little imitation of God. Not little gods, but they see an imitation of God that they can come right on behind, and they can put their feet in our footprints. Hallelujah. And they know they're not going to go, they're not going to go away. Now there were several times when Papa was plowing that field, I would do this number right here and I'd step over here to look at something and all of a sudden I look and Papa was way far away from me. Another thing staying in his footprints does is keeps you close to him. <laughs> it lets you be identified with him. You're stepping right in the very place because you know Papa's never going to lead you wrong. He's going to lead you right where you're supposed to go. Hallelujah. We Parents, grandparents, friends. I love the babies. I was joking with this young lady over here today. Uh, beautiful. Everything except that, that, that St. Louis Cardinals t-shirt. I rebuke that. And don't, don't you do that to that child. Hallelujah. I'm going to get you at Atlanta Braves before, before we leave here today. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, they actually beat the Braves last night. But um, <clears throat> I'm way off target. But we are imitators of Christ. They are imitators of us. You know, some of you ask, why in the world have I been through this? Why have I been through that? Why did God let me go up this mountain or hill? It's because He is making you a tour guide. Did you know that? you got people coming up from behind of you. The children of Israel were marching through the valley of Baca. They would uncover a well, the va that valley of tears, the valley of suffering. They would, they would uncover a, a, a well so people behind them could get a drink. What did the Philistines do? What did the enemy do? They would come in and they would fill those wells back in so the people behind them. We need to get some well diggers back in the church again. That will expose those things that Satan has tried to cover up. So people coming up behind us, I don't know if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I don't know if he's going to wait a thousand years. It does not matter. There's still going to be thirsty people coming up behind us that need a drink. We need to expose those wells again and put fresh water in it so they don't get weary. They don't get tired. They don't die on the journey and give up and quit. It's more about them. It's more about the kingdom of God than it is about us, church. Man, I get selfish sometimes. Anybody else? It's all about Jeff. And God has to slap me upside the head for a little while and say, listen, son, it's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about me. Hallelujah. When you're tired, put him first. When you wake up in the morning, put him first. If it's so busy and you got so much to do, guess what? Put him first. Start the first hour of your morning. Well, I got to be at work. Get up an hour earlier and get in the Word of God. Go on your lunch break. Take part of your lunch break and read the Word of God. Recharge your battery. When you get home, gather your family together. Have a nice meal, but read the Word of God with them. That's our job. That's, our, that's the least we can do. You know, the church world, us in general, we have gotten, uh, gotten so 
accustomed to just checking off the boxes, you know. We do the bare minimum we can. Do you know if you come to church, you even pay your tithes, you say a prayer, you take communion, that's the bare minimum that we should be doing for God. Those things bless us. They unlock God's hand in our life. What we should do is take it a little bit further. We should find that person on the street, that whore that's turning a trick out there, that drug addict that, that is out there laying in a gutter somewhere, that alcoholic that's, say, that's, that's doing the same things. Do you understand that I said it Wednesday night again. I don't know why the Lord's bringing this back up. Do you understand that your next pastor, your next teacher, or your next family uh, devotions leader and things like that could be sitting in a bar right now or laying in a gutter drunk? God doesn't give up, neither should we. Hallelujah. When you're rich, when you're broke, when you feel like quitting and giving up, when the world says you've got to do this or that to be responsible, put Jesus first. When the Arkansas Razorbacks are playing, but there's a church service going on, put Jesus first. Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? Amen. We love our Razorbacks. When it's a holiday, when your lawn needs to be mowed, put Jesus first. You shouldn't have been lazy in the first place. Go and cut your lawn before the, the, the day of the Lord. When it's perfect weather for the beach, put Jesus first. We sing songs like, My life is not my own. To Him I belong. I give myself I give myself away. This is what we really mean. My life is not my own. To him I belong. As long as it doesn't mess up my plans. That's what we say in the church world these days. As long as it doesn't mess up my plans. All to Jesus. I surrender except this little place inside of my, my heart. I like, I like that, that, that you'll never get rid of the demons that you enjoy playing with. The Bible talks about it as that, as that sin that so easily besets us. I got mine, you got yours, but guess what? God's got the plan for every one of them. He's got the solution for everything we'll ever go through. Hallelujah. He said he was tempted in always, but without sin. Hallelujah. We need to pray, God, Lord, let me put you first, not this flesh. Let me put you first, not, this, not, not, not my desires. I want to put you first, God, not the ball game. <laughs> Oh, those things are fun, and I love them. Pastor knows we've talked a lot about it, but the fact of the matter is everything is secondary to Jesus. Now, I understand people have got to work. I understand, but i got a solution for that too. If you've got to work doing church services, the whole time you're there, do your job as a professional. Do it the best that you possibly can, but pray the entire time that God gives you a better job with the weekends off so you can be in the house of God when it's time to be. Hallelujah. Hey. Put Jesus first. <laughs> when the kids won't get dressed, I can't come. Tear that butt up. Ground them. One of my favorite guys with my kids was to take the door off. Oh, we want our privacy. This is my room. Well, let me tell you something, honey. You're going to church and you're going to have no privacy. Take the posters off the wall. Take, take, the, take the TV out of the room. Take the, the PlayStations out of the room. Leave them with nothing but take their mattress. Oh, that's mean, Brother Jeff. Let me tell you something, son. I would rather be that way than to see my son go to hell. They are our responsibilities. I don't want to look up at Jesus or God on the throne and he say, look at your hands and I got blood all over your hands and it's blood of my kid because they went to hell because I did not teach them the right way. We cannot continue to be just friends and buddy and bosom pals with our kids. We have got to be parents one more time. 
And we got to say, hey, you might want it, but I've been there and I know what it's going to do to you, so I'm not going to let you have it. Let's go to church. Hallelujah. Put Jesus first. When your husband or your wife threatens you, I told a story the other night to the pastor of a lady named Sister Westbury. She was just about this high, I think. That's the way I remember when I was a kid. Sister Westbury's husband got sick of her going to church. Got sick of her serving the Lord. He said, if you go to church tonight, if you get up and try to walk out the door, I'm going to blow your brains out. This little old woman bucked up in the spirit. She said, if you don't shoot me, I'm going to church. If you do shoot me, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We ain't got nothing to lose. Hallelujah. That night she came home from church because <laughs> she went to church and he didn't talk to her, didn't say a word to her. She said she laid down in the bed and she fell off to sleep. She woke up and she saw that man standing over her with an ax about to come down on her and chop her into pieces and to kill her. She said all she could say was Jesus. She couldn't quote the scripture. All she could do is say Jesus and he dropped over her dead with a heart attack right at that very minute. Let me tell you something. God will protect his own. He will take care of you. You take care of the house of God. You take care of the things of God. And he has committed himself that he is going to take care of you. Going back to the 10%. Give it up. Let it go. As a matter of fact, why don't you pay your tithe to the place you want God to take you? Oh, Brother Jeff, I, I, I make $10 an hour. Pay him as if you're making $15 an hour and see if he won't take you there. He's already committed to it. You're his kid, man. Hallelujah. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, he did the promise and not us. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking, oh my God, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, agging each other on, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Eagles. Eagles, I don't know if you know this, they go through a season called molting and they, they lay down in the valley and they're, they, they are exposed to everything evil that's against them. What happens is, is their old feathers fall off and their new feathers begin to come on. The other eagles, that's us guys, we're the other eagles. The other eagles will swoop down, almost hitting them every time they come down, telling them, come on, come on, get back up higher. You gotta get back up. Church, we've got to lift each other up again. Well, I saw them doing this or doing that. Well, let me tell you something, honey. They probably saw you doing it too. You just don't know it. Just because my sin is different than your sin, we all sin. Hallelujah. We've got to lift each other up and build each other. And these two right here are the very ones that you should be lifting up the most. I don't know anything going on in this church because they don't talk about it. All they tell us is, all they told April and I, hey, yeah, we've got issues just like everybody else, but we love our people. That's all they would say. Don't try and drag crap out of people. Just, uh, I said it, let's move on. Don't try to drag the mess out of people. Don't try and drag up their sins. Just expose yours. We've got to get back to the place again one more time to where I can tell you what's going on in my life and you can tell me what's going on in, in your life and we don't judge each other. We don't push each other, but we say, hey, just get on up. Get on up. It don't matter where you're at right now. Get on up. Start moving again for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are the family of God. This ain't the family of Jeff. 
This ain't the family of Pastor Drew. This is the family of God. We are all a part of the kingdom of God. And I don't care if he makes me the smallest part, the toenail, whatever. I don't care. I just want to be a little part of the family of God because my family is not going to let me down. My family is not going to backbite me. Or we shouldn't. My family has the same goals because we're going to live in the same house one of these days. Hallelujah. I'm almost done, guys. Yeah, build them up. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Guys, have you looked around lately? Do you see what's going on in the world? We were told that when you see these things all around you happening, look up for what? Your redemption draweth nigh. Redemption. When you lay away something and you pay it off, you go in and you buy that thing and you take it home with you because it's been bought. It's been paid for with a price and you redeem that ticket and you take it home. That's what Jesus Christ is getting ready to do with the church. He's getting ready to redeem us. My God, that we would have been shot, we would have been hanging off the chandeliers if, 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 if this was years ago. At just that statement, he's getting ready to take us home. Hallelujah. I, you know what? I've got things I still want to accomplish on this earth. I want to bring more people to, to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. I want my son to preach the gospel, and he's going to do that if God gives us enough time. If he doesn't, he got saved about two weeks ago. Hallelujah. And he, he's living for the Lord. I'm still going to get to celebrate the goodness of Jesus Christ for eternity. Well, there ain't no ball involved. How you know that? We don't know what heaven's going to be like. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to gather around his throne. The word of God says we're going to take our crowns, which we think are so great and mighty. We're going to cast them at his feet. And he's going to draw us in together. Hallelujah. I try to imagine that. And, and you know, it blows my mind. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Let me just be totally frank and honest with you. I don't know what it's going to be like to just worship for eternity. Is you know, it's not going to be a boring thing. But the human mind, the Satan that tries to, to talk and prod in our minds, he tries to make you think, "Oh, it's not going to be any fun at all." Let me tell you something. Just the fact that Jesus is going to be there, I know where I was. You know where you were, but it does not appear what we will be. Right now we see it dim. We see, we see through a glass darkly, the Word of God says. But on that day when we see Him, we will see things just like they're supposed to be as they are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're willing to die for Him, so we've got to be willing to live for Him. If somebody comes and they try and hurt my wife or hurt, hurt anybody around me, just to be honest with you, I'm going to fight for that person. They'll have to take my life. So I'm going to fight just as hard for Jesus Christ because he saved my life. About a month and a half ago, we we're, were in Nashville, Tennessee, driving takes, stakes, I'm sorry, driving stakes for a tent crusade. We just bought a tent, praise God, hallelujah. I'm looking forward to using it for the kingdom. But we were driving those stakes in the ground for the first time. We were hammering on stuff, man. And we, we thought, man, this ground's hard, but there was concrete under that ground. We didn't know it. We were struggling, man. And I was tired. I was, I was disgusted. I'm thinking, God, I need your help, please. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. And that thing that I thought was causing me grief, was driving those stakes in the ground, was nothing compared to what I heard on the other end. I heard Jeff, my son's girlfriend. Jeff, 
Noah's trying to kill himself. <laughs> he won't tell me where he's at. You see, I didn't do a good job when I was younger in my life of leading and guiding my son. I'm trying to make up for it now because he's still a, a man of God. He just, he just don't really know how much yet. He's trying to kill himself. He won't tell me where he's at. I hung up on her. I didn't, I didn't mean to be rude, but that was my boy. And I called his number and he didn't answer. And I called back a second time and he answered the phone and his speech was really slurred. He said, Dad, he said, don't, you don't try and talk to me anymore. He said, I'm done. He said, he said I've taken so much uh, Benadryl and Tylenol PM. He said, my liver's already destroyed. I'm a dead man. And he hung up the phone. And I got to praying, God, let her find him. I'm seven hours, eight hours away from him. I cannot find him. Let her find him. Somehow, the Holy Spirit led her to where he was at. See, he had lived in his car, in a broken down car, in a Walmart parking lot in Mooresville, North Carolina for two months through the heat. Nothing to eat, barely eating. And you know what the problem was? The problem was pride. That's the problem with a lot of us. He didn't let daddy know what was going on. You see, I had a feeling I knew what was going on, but he didn't express it to me. We've got to let Jesus know out of our mouth, God, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah, he already knows. But the fact that you even tell him, Lord, I need your help. That's showing him and activating your faith in him and that puts him into action. Hallelujah. She called me back. She said, Jeff, she said, she said, she said he, he took over 100 pills. He, he went behind that Walmart and she said, I wasn't allowed. He, she said, he told me not to ever tell you. He didn't want to disappoint you. Imagine the disappointment, Pastor, if I had to bury my boy. I heard the paramedics working on him Jeff wake up Jeff they didn't know his real name was Noah Jeff wake up and he woke up for just a second you see he had died already and he was gone he would have been in hell today had they not gone God will send you paramedics in the spirit amen to revive you and to wake you up and to help you out and get you breathing again he passed back out again and they said he died again on the way to the hospital and I'm thinking to myself God I need your help tonight. I'm driving stakes and my boy's dying. You know what the God, Lord asked me? He said, how much do you trust me? <laughs> oh, God, help me, Lord. I thought I had faith in you. I thought I trusted you. How much do you trust me? I said, God, I'm in your hands. He's in your hands. The Lord said, stay here tonight. Set this tent up. Do this first service. Honor me. Put me first. And then see what I'm going to do. We did. We did so much marijuana smoke. Hallelujah. We're in the right place. So much marijuana smoke. I about got high while I was up talking about the Lord. Hallelujah. We were in the right place. You don't want to take your ministry to a place where it's easy. You take the ministry where there's, where there's people that you're ministering to. Sometimes that means you got to go out these four walls for a little while. And you got to reach out to people in your community. They might be a different color. Oh, my God. They might, be, they might be drunk. They might be stinky. They may have a trail of tears on their arm. But you got to go out there. And you got to get amongst them. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went out and he got them. The Bible says to go out and compel them to come in. Hallelujah. How are they going to come in unless they know we love them? My son laid there in a coma. And I got on Facebook. Guys, when you get desperate, you'll do what you got to do. Don't get to that place. 
Go ahead and say, God, Lord, take care of the situation now and let him do it. But I made the mistake of telling God, Lord, do whatever you got to do to him. Not meaning it. We say a lot of things we don't mean, don't we? He's laying there in that coma. And I got on the, I got on the phone with people on Facebook. I probably had somewhere between 10,000 and 50,000 people praying for my son. And that next morning was Sunday morning. And about the time those people got to pray, and I've still got four hours to go, and I called him. I said, how's, how's Noah? Is, is, his, is his vitals any better than they were? Is his liver doing okay? They didn't say anything to me, sis. They handed my boy the phone. <laughs> and I heard this old gravelly voice. And he said, Dad, I'm sorry. I said, I am too, son. I said, I'm sorry too. And I loved on my boy. They said about the time that people got praying in that Sunday morning service all around the world, said my boy's eyes just suddenly popped open out of the coma. He came straight out of it. He didn't have to be weaned out of it. He came out. Hallelujah. Out. See, death couldn't hold him. It couldn't hold Jesus and it couldn't hold my boy. And I got there, man, I tried to be cool. I strutted up to, to his side of the bed and and I didn't, I didn't, I thought I didn't cry at all I could cry. I strutted up, I said, hey man, how you doing? I gave him a high five right there. And as soon as he touched me, I just broke into sobs. I couldn't help it anymore. God, I said, Lord, thank you for not allowing my boy to be taken. Thank you for giving him another chance. He went to a behavioral rehab center for two weeks. The day he got out, April and I put him on a, a bus to Stanton, Kentucky, where we were doing a, a camp meeting. He said, Dad, don't let nobody touch me. He said, I don't want nobody to even talk to me. I don't want to pray. I don't want nothing to do with God. You see, he still wasn't there. That's the people that are going to come through this door. They're going to be hateful, but God's going to be already tugging on their heart and working on them. I said, son, I ain't going to say a word to them. They ain't going to know nothing about you. The first night, preacher looks back in the corner and a house full of people looks at back in the corner. He said, I, I rebuke the spirit of suicide off of this side of the church right now and my boy got up and he ran out you know I could have gave up on him I could have said man he, there, there's no hope for him but Jesus knew that two days later on a Thursday night whenever we're doing a, a foot washing service the next to the last night of that, of that meeting I, I said Lord tonight's got to be his night it's the last night I can't leave not knowing if my boy's going to be okay or not God you've got to help me you see when you pour your heart out to the Lord and you petition him guess what he does he helps you he comes on the scene my boy was three people down had somebody praying for him basically washing his foot he gave his life to the Lord that night he is now <laughs> Instead of dead, instead of in the grave, my boy is in Stanton, Kentucky. The pastor and his son gave him a job learning heating and air conditioning. He has stopped smoking. He stopped drinking. He stopped vaping. He stopped it all. Guess what? He said, Dad, he said, I need something from you. I said, well, whatever. What do you need, son? And I'm already over in, uh, I guess, Tulsa or something. He said, Dad, I need a Bible. I said, you ain't got a Bible? I said, well, let me send you a Bible. And I sent him one. I didn't think he would like it because of the color. He told me last night, he said, I've already been reading. I'm marking it up. I said, son, wear that thing out. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know we got to go. I know we do. But see, I got something to praise him for. I got something to thank him for. And so do you.
It doesn't matter what they're acting like right now. It doesn't even matter what you're acting like. God still has the same plan he's had for you his whole existence, your whole existence. And that plan is to prosper you. That plan is to give you hope. That plan is to give you a future. That plan is to save your entire family. Hallelujah. And he is faithful and he is just and he will do what he promised you because he's not a man that makes promises and takes them back. He is a man that cannot lie. He has made the promises. I didn't make them. You didn't make them. He made the promises. You follow his process and he is going to keep his promises. Father, I just ask you this morning, Lord, to in all of my ramblings, God, this morning, Lord, let something that was said reach somebody's heart. God, somebody that, that doesn't have hope. God, yeah, they're here this morning. They put on the pretty smile week after week after week, but they take their mask off when they walk out of the, of the church house and leave it inside of the church and they go out and live like hell, God. Lord, I just ask you, God, let that person's heart be pricked. God, prick my heart, Jesus. Bring up the things inside of me that you don't like. Let me see them, God, and show me how to work on them, Jesus, because I want to be the very best Christian, the very best servant that I can be for you and for your kingdom, Lord. If you're here this morning and, and you say, man, something you said touched me, something the Word of God said touched me this morning, and I want to be on fire for Jesus. You want revival? You start getting each individual person in here to examine themselves and let the Lord bring out the flaws. And let's begin to work on those things. We'll have revival. You can't help but to. When you get the sin out of the camp, you can't help but have revival. The presence of God comes in. Hallelujah. The Bible says a house divided will fall. I mean, how can we have Christians and non-Christians and we say and we're praising the same Jesus yet we can praise him but the Christian can enter into the place of worship the sinner cannot you see Satan can praise Jesus but he can't worship him if that's you this morning if, you, if you're willing to say man I'm the Bible says that we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony in my opinion I believe that means, in my translation, I believe that means you've got to put it on the line for Jesus sometimes. You can't worry about what anybody else is going to say, what they're going to think, because, honey, they're going to say it regardless because that's who sinners are. That's who hypocrites are. This morning, if you've got a need of the Lord, you're willing to say, Lord, I'm, I'm, willing, to, I'm willing to give it to you all totally. I don't want to hold any of it. You see, we pray, we give it to him, we say, and we walk up and we pick it up and go on out of the church with it. Folks, when you give it to him, it's not yours anymore. You have transferred possession of it. The title is no longer in your name. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. He owns it. But when we do that, I believe God looks and he sees us carrying it back out with us. He says, hey, I want my stuff back. That's not yours anymore. If you're willing to say, I'm, I want to leave it here this morning, not pick it up, not take it back with me. Not let it weigh me down anymore. If that's you this morning, don't worry about who's around. Just lift your hands. I've got both of mine up. Is that okay? I don't want it anymore. It ain't mine. If you're that person who would say, man, I've been playing the game really good. I did it for a long time. I've been playing the game really good, and I'm good at it. I know the things to say. I know what to do and what not to do to make people think I'm a Christian but I'm not sure that I really know the Lord the way I need to know the Lord. 
If that's you this morning, just lift your hands. I've got my hands up again. I am a professional. Now, I'm not saying I'm a hypocrite, but I know me better than anybody else except God does. Now, I'm going to ask you to take it one step further. If you know you have a need of the Lord and you're wanting to turn it over, get rid of it, say, God, it's in your hands. Now, I want you to get right up from where you're at. Come on. Make your way down to this altar this morning. I would dare say that should be about everybody in here. Because we all have a need of the Lord. There's something about that back corner over there, guys. You know something about being delivered, being brought, being made free again, being made whole. You guys praise Him from the place of past pain. And you're not going to waste the pain. Hallelujah. I just want us to say a corporate prayer, if that's okay. Just repeat after me. Father, I know myself better than anybody else but you. And I want to be the kind of man or woman that you need me to be. A soldier that will put the armor on and fight until the battle is won. Say this with me. Forgive me of my trespasses I don't want anything to stand in my way of being usable for you. Thank you, Jesus. It's not a hard thing. We just confess it, believe it, and leave it here. Thank you. You're my God, and I am your kid this morning. Now, Jesus, I pray a prayer right now over everybody here, everybody that's in the pews, God. Right now, Lord God, we know ourselves, God. Lord, make our desire hotter. Make the fire hotter, God, Lord, until it burns up everything inside of us, God. Because when the chaff is, is burned up, when the junk is burned up, you can build a new house on that, Lord. The same property, God, Lord, but a new, beautiful, shiny house for you to inhabit, Lord. Thank you, God, you give us chance after chance after chance, Jesus. God, this is the chance that I take right now, God, Lord. This is the opportunity that I take to commit the rest of my life to you, God. Whether I like it, whether I don't like it, God, whether it brings me fortune and fame, whether it brings me wealth or poverty, God, it's all yours, God, and I will bless you because of the situation, Father, that you, you brought me out of and that you've placed me in, God. Bless everyone in this house, God. Bless the pastor, God. Make his job easy. Make Sister Shelley's job easy, God. Make the, the leadership of the church, make their job easy, God. Bring in new people, God. People that we wouldn't normally say, religion would not normally say belong in the church, but God, they're the very ones. You said that it's not the well that need a hospital, but the sick, God. Send the sick in, God, Lord. You've got the true vaccine, God. You've got the true stuff that we need, God, Lord. And you are administering it freely, Lord, even this morning, God. We thank you, Jesus. We honor you and we praise you. And I commit, God, that I will put you first in everything from here on out, Jesus. Now, do you believe that? Are you willing to say that? Say, I put you first. Say, I put you first. 
look up and point up at the sky. Say, God, I put you first. Hallelujah.